Hey, this is Ryan. And this is Brian. And we just wanted to say thanks so much for listening to Ryan and Brian's Bible Bistro. We hope you're enjoying this episode. You know, it's our goal to make this podcast useful to you. So if you find it valuable, we want you to consider supporting the Bible Bistro financially. You know, there's a cost associated with this podcast, and your support will help us to continue this mission. If you'd like to help, we have set up a Patreon account where you can contribute at any level. Maybe you just want to give us a few bucks a month and buy us a cup of coffee. Or if you support us at $15 or above, you can receive some of our personalized items, like the Bible Bistro coffee mug. Trust me, you're really going to want one of those. Absolutely. You just got to go to our website or in the show notes and click on the Patreon link. And thank you so much. We appreciate our loyal listeners. Hello, and welcome back to Ryan and Brian's Bible Bistro. I'm Ryan. And I'm Ryan. And... (laughs) (laughs) Who's the real Ryan? Who's the real Ryan? The better looking one, obviously. (laughs) Well, yeah. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Anyway, here we are, back in the bistro. We're just rolling. Oh, are we not starting No, we're not. (laughs) I'm Ryan. This is Brian. Yes, and this is the Bible Bistro. A podcast yes, all about the Bible, theology, and all things related to... Pertaining to the Christian wrong faith. Wrong answer. <laughs> wrong answer. Related to the Christian faith. We are back yeah. again. We're going to be releasing this on Tuesday, not Wednesday like last week. Yeah, we're back on schedule. We're back on schedule, and we're continuing our s- series called The Wonders. Oh, meters or The Wonders. <laughs> Reference to the movie, that thing you do. If you haven't seen it, you should go see it. It's a great movie. I still haven't seen it. I need to go watch it. What? You've never seen that movie? (laughs) No. Uh It's got Liv Tyler in it, and it's got jazz. It's all about jazz, a jazz drummer. Oh, yeah. You should go see it. It's fantastic. It's a fantastic film. Um, But we're back. The last movie I saw about a jazz drummer left me with PTSD. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen that one. Uh, (laughs) uh, So we are, we're continuing our series. But before we get started, we want to give a shout out. We got a new patron this last week. Yeah. Adam, it's exciting. It is it's exciting. exciting. It is exciting because it's you know it helps us. It helps us continue yeah. to do this work. Makes us feel like what we're doing is a value. Yes. So, so we appreciate it, Adam. Thank, thank you, you so Adam. much for uh, jumping on board with us. Hope you're listening and you feel that great sense inside of you that you've made this <laughs> this episode sponsored by Adam. And we should say thank you to long-time yes, patrons absolutely. we've had who've been with we, us for a long we time, We have other too. patrons who've been with it. us for a while, and so that also... We need to start doing that thing like they do with Scary Pockets, where at the end, they just kind of run all three of our <laughs> patrons, three or four <laughs> patrons on there. That's a reference yeah. to a YouTube channel where they play covers of music, Scary Pockets. Yeah, anyway, fine. but we're continuing in the Oneaters, <laughs> the one-chapter books in the Bible. We had Obadiah last week, our Old Testament, and now we're jumping into the New Testament. Yeah. And where are we going today, Brian? We're going to Philemon. I, you know, I had thought about doing this chronologically, and Jude probably could be earlier than earlier than uh, Philemon. There's some debate about the date. We'll talk about the dates of Philemon. Talk about the dates of possible dates of Jude uh, when we get to it. But I decided to do Philemon, and and I'm going to tell you, Ryan. I bet I bet you're. I bet we've bitten off more than you realized with this one chapter book in Philemon. Well, there's. It, we've talked about this a little bit in the past on yeah, some previous episodes, but yeah. there's a lot happening here that connects to there other books. In exactly. the New Testament, so some really interesting, some really interesting possibilities that Philemon opens up, and it it, it kind of opens up for us. Uh, and I'm kind of using um, 
the language of NT right here kind of opens up for us a whole world here. This little chapter kind of gives us insight into some of these interrelationships and it's a lot more theologically going on here than you might expect in a one chapter book and really an interesting, interesting thing. I found it interesting when I got his, cause I've, I've been saying this for years when I was teaching uh, Pauline epistles, we would talk about Philemon and I'd say, and I believe this, there are, there are those who propose that, that Philemon may be the reason that Paul's letter started to be collected together. Mm-hmm. That really, this is the beginning of the new, what we call the new Testament right. is, is basically Philemon, some other letters that probably we'll get to this probably went along with it being collected together um, is probably what, you know, began this idea of the new Testament. And, um, you know, it's kind of an interesting, interesting idea. But anyway, I said that for years when I taught Pauline epistles and then uh, Tom Wright comes out with his 1700 two volume long awaited <laughs> book, book on, you know, Paul and the, and the faithfulness of God. And he begins chapter one with Philemon. And uh, yeah. of all places, and and it's an interesting. He, he does, it's a very interesting. If you haven't read that part of it, it's a very interesting um, thing. It reminds me also uh, some of my some of our listeners will know the the story, but uh, it reminds me of the time I spent with uh, Tom Wright, and I managed to not become his research assistant because because of that book. <laughs> But I did. I did make Mrs. Wright laugh. So, oh gosh. Anyway, anyway. So, but I mean, this is an. Inter- I'll tell that story another, another time. Yes, of course. This is, that's our theme. Um, but you know, it's interesting. You know, as we we talk about this and we jump in this, but like Philemon yeah. is kind of. If you're not looking for it, it's easy for you to kind of skip over because exactly. it's right next yep. to Hebrews in your Bibles. And right. we always, I mean, you know, we hear Hebrews and that's a big, thick book, you know, and again, sure. we've got like a page here, but this right. is, this is a book that kind of sets up a lot of, a lot of things that kind of play yeah. out in the rest of, of Paul's writings. It, it's at the tail end of Paul's epistles in our, in our Bibles. And I should mention, I think I've said this before, but the way that Paul's letters are arranged in our Bibles is simply from largest to smallest with the exception, um, those books that are either to the same individual in the case of Timothy or to the same church in the case of Corinth, those are kept together. So, it's basically about length. It right. has nothing to do about date. It has nothing to do about uh, importance or anything like that. It's it's simply by length, uh, which, like you said, kind of relegates Philemon to this weird spot um, because he, you know there there are other letters of Paul that are addressed to individuals, but this one is even different than the, those we usually call them the pastoral epistles. You know, first look at Timothy and Titus. It, it even has a different character than that. Uh, probably, well, almost certainly written earlier than First and Second Timothy and Titus, and uh, no matter what your view of First, Second Timothy and Titus is, but but Philemon, you know, just has a different character to it as well. And we'll, we'll get into that. Yeah. It's, it, yeah, it's, it's an interesting book, really. It is. Yeah. All right. Well, lead now, I have, us. now I have to prove that. Now you have to prove it. Lead <laughs> us in there. Don't stop so, the podcast. Brian's proving his point. <laughs> so you know, I mentioned the pastoral epistles. We 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 categorize Paul's epistles with different names sometimes. And so the other kind of category that we have of books are loosely categorized. We call them the prison epistles. And these are letters that Paul writes where he's clearly in prison. Like Philippians is another example of this. Uh, Colossians and Philemon are both examples of prison epistles, and Ephesians um, 
in, in Philemon and in Colossians. And I'm gonna I keep mentioning those two together, and they do they kind of belong together as a set. Again, they're divided in our Bibles, but Philemon and Colossians go together, and, and we'll see why here in just a minute. But um, uh, when you think about um, now, I forgot what I was gonna say. <laughs> When you think about Philemon, oh, the prison, the prison epistles. epistles. Yeah. Traditionally, we've dated those during Paul's what 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 we call Paul's Roman imprisonment, sixty to sixty two A.D. Uh, when he was in prison in Rome. Shortly and before that's typically short. Well, no, no, sorry. <laughs> depending, depending. I mean, yeah. again, there are those who believe that he died at the end of that of that imprisonment. I don't. Uh, and others don't, but uh, there are those who say he died in 62 AD. In that case, the pastoral epistles probably are, are not by Paul himself, mm-hmm. but are a compilation from some of his uh, students, something like that. I believe that they're actually Pauline. That, that's it's, a story it's a, sorry, for another day. I shouldn't have said anything. I'll just keep my mouth shut. <laughs> no, no, that's it's actually an interesting thing. But now, more recently, so that's the traditional view, 60 to 62, because we know that he has this imprisonment in Rome. There have been some, however, suggesting that this may be an earlier uh, imprisonment somewhere in the mid-50s. And we know that – so so we usually have traditionally associated this these prison epistles with his Roman imprisonment because it's mentioned in the book of Acts, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we have this very specific mention of him being – uh, you know, appealing to Rome, being sent to Rome, being being imprisoned there in a in a rented house for two years. That's how the Book of Acts ends. Um, but there are some some recently that suggest this may be an earlier imprisonment of of, of Paul, not in Rome, but maybe in somewhere in Asia Minor, like Ephesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and here's the only reason I'll mention this is in Second Corinthians, Paul mentions that he's been in prison several times. Right? He kind of yeah. goes through this whole list of the things that have happened to him. And so some people suggest, well, this may be one of these other imprisonments that just aren't you – know, Luke cho- chose not to record in the book of Acts. And uh, so <clears throat> there's some things that would make sense about it being closer to Colossae uh, when he writes this letter. But anyway, that's that's another possibility. If that's the case, it's probably mid-50s. Okay. So it's either in that in that prisma, traditionally 60 to 62 AD. Some people more recently have suggested it may be like an Ephesus, written from Ephesus around uh, mid-50s, something like that. So what I thought we'd start to do is Philemon is really an interesting book. It's very short, but it's full of names. And so I kind of thought thought of this in terms of a play. Let's introduce the cast, right? Okay, yeah. <laughs> Who are these people we're, we're talking about first? So Philemon, uh, the first three chapters kind of introduce us. Verses. Um, what did I say? Chapters, yeah. verses, yeah. Uh, so verse one, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother. So we know these people, right? right. We know... We know Paul and Timothy. I've said this before. It's interesting. We call these Paul's letters, but there are several of these letters that have a co-sender that, that's mentioned. Mm-hmm. And, and by the way, I'll say this is different than Obadiah that we looked at last week in that this is a typical first century Greek epistle. It has that form. Uh, there, are, there are essentially four parts to, to an early first century Greek epistle. There's the um, the the the, the uh, Salutation, or the opening section, where you have the sender, the 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 recipients, and the greetings, and then there is the the thanksgiving section of the letter. There's the body of the letter, and there's a conclusion. So this this yeah. letter has all, even though it's short, has all four four of those points that will be. Seen. And you, just just for everyone that's listening, an epistle you would define as just like a letter, just a letter, yeah, just a letter. Yeah, sent sent from it's it's a writing sent from from a distance. It's an, it's it's written in order to communicate to someone at a distance. 
uh, either to to call someone to give someone information or call somebody to action or or both. Uh, but there's lots of epistles. We, we have tons. In fact, there are garbage dumps <laughs> full of full of first century Greek epistles, which you know I when I was in college and seminary read a bunch of them. You know, and and it just gives you a sense. Yeah, these are just a part of this. Now Paul's letters typically are longer, right? Right. But Philemon Philemon isn't. So Paul and Timothy, we know uh, 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 Timothy was a a um, co-worker with Paul. He seems to be with him at this time. And again, we know that there are various times that he was traveling with him or on his, on a second missionary journey and beyond. And also there are times where we find him being called to be with Paul when he's in prison, for example, in Rome. So that's, that's uh, Paul and Timothy. And then looking at, so here's the sender section. Here's the recipient. And I will say this, uh, we probably should talk about this another time, but I'll just mention this briefly. In ancient Greek epistles, the person of higher status was the person who's listed first. So if if you're writing a letter to the governor, then you would, or the emperor, whomever, Caesar, then you would place them first, even though they're the recipient of the letter. So it's it's not the sender, it's not the order that tells the sender and recipient it's it's the case it is in in the noun in Greek, which that doesn't matter. But but uh, that Paul lists himself first as something about his status in relationship to the others, and, and not status in terms of the traditional way that you would think about status, like he's wealthier, or he you know. But in terms of the church, he's the father, right? He's he's the one, and he's going to use that kind of family language to talk about. He's the one who brought Christianity to this to this area. Gotcha. <clears throat> now, notice even from the beginning, though, he calls himself a prisoner of Christ Jesus. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother. And then here's the recipients. To Philemon, or Philemon, if you want to sound fancy. Uh, <laughs> that's the way the Brits say it. <laughs> we usually say Philemon because we like to, I don't know. We're American. We can talk however we want to. <laughs> to Philemon, our dear brother, our dear friend, and fellow worker, uh, which is one of Paul's terms that he uses, and to Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church that meets in your home. So we're introduced to these three recipients, and uh, and notice also it's addressed as well to the church that meets in their home. House churches in the first century was was the way it was done. Church doesn't refer to the building. It still shouldn't refer to the building. Right. It doesn't refer to that time of worship, but it refers to uh, uh, an assembly of people. It, it refers to the to the uh, believers, all all the believers in that in that place. And so we learned some things here about this. And there's we we don't know everything about these relationships. It's interesting that Archippus here is called a fellow soldier by Paul which suggests to some that he may kind of be the minister of the congregation in that place or, or a, a minister, a pastor, or however you want to think about that mm-hmm. of the, um, of the church in that place. Uh, but it does say in, in your, all y'all's home, uh, some see people suggest that Philemon and Aphia are, and I think this is a good, good idea, husband and wife uh, in this situation. We don't really find out anything else about Aphia, but, you, but Archippus. So you're saying that might be the wife of Philemon? Of Philemon, yeah, 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 okay. And then look in Colossians chapter four seventeen for me. I'm not going to turn there. You go ahead and turn there. I'll, All right. I'm going to keep Philemon open here. Okay. Go ahead and read that. Just that verse for us. Four uh, seventeen here. 
17. Yeah. Tell, how do you pronounce his name? Archip. I'd say Archippus. Tell Archippus, see to it that you complete the ministry you have received in the Lord. Okay, so it seems like he, you know, calls he's called a fellow soldier here. He said to complete that ministry, uh, that service is another word that could be translated there um, uh, to the Lord. And so it seems like he has some kind of role of teacher or what, whatever right. you want to think of within within the church in uh, in, in the home, the meets in the home of Philemon and Aphia. So that's that's these characters here that we have introduced, you know, in this, in this plot. But now there's another character. In fact, he's kind of, in some ways, the chief character of the story in, in some ways that we need to be introduced to. If we skip down to verse 10 in the book of Philemon, uh-huh. we're introduced to this character called Onesimus. Uh, Paul here says, I appeal to you for my son, Onesimus, who became my son while I was in my, in, in chains. Now, during the reading of the, of the letter, we're going to become familiar with this guy, and and really, it's kind of his situation that gives rise to Paul writing this letter in the first place. We learn that Onesimus was a slave in the household of Philemon, and so we have to kind of figure out. We're going to piece together, uh, and we've we've talked about this before with letters. You kind of have to piece together the situation because the situation as a whole isn't always laid out there. But we do learn that he is he is a servant or a slave, household slave of Philemon. And the other interesting thing is uh, his name means useful. And Paul Paul is going to play on that word a, a little bit later on. But the name Onesimus means useful. Okay. And uh, and I, I, I thought, what, what's that saying? Uh, if if the ladies don't find you handsome, they should at least find you handy, right? So so Onesimus was was found useful, right? Uh-huh. And so he uh, he was, um, uh, you know, which kind of, you know, I guess household servant. It's kind of an interesting name that, that he has there. Uh, and we don't know too much about his background other than, uh, well, and we'll talk about some of this as we get through it. But Onesimus is kind of, like I said, he's kind of the guest of honor in a way. Uh, he's not the one that's, that's writing or the one being um, written to, but he's kind of the one who's being written about. On behalf, and, and really on behalf whole, of him. On behalf, on his behalf. And so that's, that's what we have uh, taking place here. Um, and then look down at the end of, uh, of Philemon, okay. verses 23 through 24. So I said there are four parts of an ancient epistle. This is the last part. This is called the conclusion. And often what you would do in a conclusion is you would send greetings from other people that are with you, or you would send greetings to other people other than the recipients of the letter. Uh, And you could also give final instructions, and sometimes you'd offer a final prayer in, in your conclusion, and that's what Paul does here. But verses 23 and 24, um, I'm going to read those. Are you still in Colossians chapter four? Yeah. There's a longer section here. Let me read. Let me read, and we'll kind of do this as an exercise. I do this kind of thing in class, but 23 and 24, I'll read. Then you read that longer section in Colossians four, seven through 15, and let's see if we can find some parallels here okay. between these two, two books. So uh, in the conclusion, Paul writes, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends you greetings, and so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas and Luke, my fellow workers. So go ahead then and read uh, that Colossians. So this is, by the way, the conclusion of the letter of Colossians as well. Yeah, this is 4, 7 through 15. 
Right. Uh, Tychicus will tell you all the news about me. He is a dear brother and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I'm sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. He is coming with Onesimus, our faithful and dear brother, who is one of you. They will tell you everything that is happening here. My fellow prisoner, our our artist Aristarchus, Aristarchus mm-hmm. sends you his greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. You have received instructions about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. Jesus, who is called Justice, also sends greetings. These are the only Jews among my co-workers for the kingdom of God, and they have proved uh, a comfort to me. Epaphras, who was one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He is also he is always wrestling in prayer for you that you may fu- stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. I vouch for him that he is working hard for you and for those at La- uh, La- Laodicea, Laodicea and Heropolis. Mm-hmm. Our, our dear friend Luke, the doctor, and Demas send greetings. Give my greetings to the brothers and sisters at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. Okay. Interesting. Well, so what, what do you notice there? Again, Similar it, names. I know you're reading, you're reading. Okay. So, so what names do you notice in common? Aristarchus. Here? Now that I've said it, I can, Arist- I can say it now. Yeah. Arist- <laughs> Aristarchus. Mark yeah. is mentioned in both places. There's more detail given about, uh, uh in Colossians about Mark. Epaphras. Now he's an important character for us in this play. If we think of it that way, he's mentioned here. He's mentioned earlier in Colossians as well. And apparently this is what, it seems to be indicating is Epaphras is the one who initially brought the gospel to Colossae, uh, to this to this town mm-hmm. of Colossae, and I guess it's time to introduce this as well. Colossae was not a big city; it was not a major town. It's not like Corinth. It's not like Rome. It's not like even Ephesus. Uh, even it's not like Laodicea or Hierapolis. Those other two that were mentioned. Colossae is kind of a small town. It's up the Lycus River Valley from Ephesus. It's a natural kind of pathway that you would go if you're going up to Laodicea and Hierapolis. You would go through Colossae, but it's not a major town. It's kind of a small place. Um, but but this, this church that was begun there, the gospel seems to initially have been brought by Epaphras. Paul seems to never have been in Colossae at this point. Hmm. He's, he's never been there. So what we think happened is is Paul on his third missionary journey. You might remember, kind of made a beeline to Ephesus. Right. He he wanted to go there on a second missionary journey. He was prevented by the Holy Spirit, who instead took him over uh, across into Thessalonica, and and he ended up down in Corinth. Um, but on his third missionary journey, Paul makes a beeline for Ephesus, and he ends up spending longer there than he spends anywhere else in any of his missionary journeys. Three years he's in Ephesus, which is kind of the capital city of this area that we call Asia Minor. And, and while we, we, he's there, what we think happened is Epaphras from Colossae came down there, was converted to Christianity, became a believer, a follower of Jesus, and then ends up becoming the person who takes that message back. A co, you know, Paul calls him a co-worker. He says he's he's with him in uh, in prison now, mm-hmm. wherever Paul's in prison. And we think that that Epaphras took the message of the gospel back to Colossae, and he's the one who planted these churches there, or or, or, or we could say it this way, brought the gospel that resulted in. And I say churches because. Did you notice that other one? That's the other interesting thing in Colossians chapter four. There's this this woman named Nympha, which is a very Greek, a very um, uh, pagan name, uh-huh. uh, who has a church that meets in her home as well. 
So in the small town of Colossae, you know, you have at least uh, two two churches. At, at least house churches. at least the church that meets in the house of Philemon and, and the church that meets in the house of Nympha. And and I'll say this as well. I, I should have mentioned this earlier. When we think about Philemon and Aphia, we probably are imagining people with some amount of wealth because they had a house that was large enough to have a gathering in. Mm-hmm. And uh, and not all houses did in the first century. Many houses in the first century were very small. But but some of them in, in these Greek areas would have uh, kind of a we would call it a living room, but, but would kind of have an area that would be large enough for a gathering of you know ten twenty maybe a, a few more people than that, and, and so that's what we imagine these house churches being is kind of these small gatherings of, of believers in these places. Uh, probably you know we're not probably not talking about hundred people, you know we're, right. we're in a private home. We're talking about probably you know like twenty. 30 at the most, that kind of thing. Okay. Uh, there's been studies done on that. I should, I should be more specific, but, but anyway, we're not talking about huge, we're not, you know, like these we, aren't mega we, churches, not mega churches, not even, you know, kind of what we would call an average size church, in the United States, uh, even 70 or a hundred in that, in that range. So, so we have these, these two churches that mean their house. Epaphras is probably the one who initially taught, took, took the, the um, gospel there. Now Philemon seems to be known to Paul, mm-hmm. the way that Paul addresses him. So it makes you wonder, at some time after Epaphras had brought the gospel to Colossae, back to his, his you know, where he's from, because Paul says he's one of you, um, then what we think is that maybe Philemon came with him to Ephesus to hear Paul's preaching firsthand, you know, as one of the leaders, whatever we want to call this, of the church in Colossae, that he and others would have traveled 80 to 100 miles uh, to, to Ephesus in order to hear Paul's preaching there and maybe receive some specific instruction about the gospel there in that place. So, <laughs> I mean, we're three, three, four, five verses in, but you see what I'm saying, how, how it opens up this in, entire kind of early church world for us. Right. It gives us all kinds of questions about what's going on. Well, and, and I think the, that's, that's so important as we start to think about this, like we understand the importance of this. I mean, this is right. one of the things that you and I have always talked about is context of this. And yeah. if you don't see those connections, you know, if you're looking through Philemon, probably in your study Bibles, even you don't see a lot right. of reference back to Colossians, like to, to tie right. these pieces together. Right. And I think it's also really, I, I think it's important to understand, like, some of these names are very Greek. You know what I mean? Like, you, yeah. you have you have Gentiles that are hosting yeah. uh, church in their homes, and we get this, again, I, I know you when you talked about this, you're like, we're biting off a lot with Philemon, even though it's a one chapter, exactly. but like, there's a, there's a lot happening here to, so you can understand the structure and what's happening yeah. uh, through all this. Believe it or not, I didn't tell you this, Ryan, but I I considered doing Philemon in in two different sections. Oh, really? <laughs> because, just because I knew there would be this much, and we may, you know, it's all, we're almost thirty yeah. minutes in already, yeah. well, so we may we may was, wish we would have. Well, but we can still do it. We, you know, no, this no, no, is no, our we'll, podcast. We can do whatever no, we want. I'm, I'm going to rush through the rest of it and just. But I want to mention one more name before we leave Colossians because I think it's important to understand then the relationship between these two different letters, Philemon and and, and Colossians is there's this guy named Tychicus that's mentioned. Mm-hmm. He's not mentioned in Philemon, but he's mentioned here in Colossians. But he's mentioned in conjunction with with whom? <laughs> Sorry. I'm frozen. I don't know. With with Onesimus. <laughs> okay. And so so what, what we think is happening here is Paul is sending Onesimus back with Tychicus. And Tychicus is, again, a fellow worker of Paul. And, and, and he's carrying with him 
the letter to the Colossians, right? To the Colossian mm, church. Yes. Again, it's, it's kind of, and we don't even think about this. It's kind of unusual. Philippi was an important Roman, um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Outpost uh, town. Outpost, yeah. right. Place where, where people had settled. Uh, there's still another word I'm looking for. I can't. Settlement. <laughs> Settlement. Yeah. So, okay. So anyway, it's, moving it's on. An, <laughs> but, you know, of all the letters that Paul writes, this letter to Colossae is kind of an unusual one. You know, why does he write to this little church? And I think the answer is because of Philemon, because of Onesimus uh, and the situations going on there. So Tychicus is sent along with him. I think he's carrying Colossians, which would be a letter to all the Christians, right, mm-hmm. in Colossae. So at least these two churches that we know of, maybe maybe there are others. We, don't, we just don't know. Uh, at least the church that meets in Nympha's house and the church that meets in in uh, uh, Philemon and, and Aphia's house. Um, and then he's also writing this more specific instruction directly to Philemon. Now, I think this letter, because it's addressed to Philemon, um, uh, Aphia, Archippus, and the church that meets in your home, I think it would probably been read not to the entire community of Christians in Colossae, but specifically, I do think it would have been read to this church, to this house church. And and that even is going to give some, what Paul is asking here, or what he's what he's hinting at, at least in this letter, is, is you know, that, that it's read in public, I think is going to give some strength to his, you know, what he's saying here uh, toward Philemon. Okay, so so that kind of sets up the the situation for us. Any anything else that sticks out to you? Or no. Any questions so, so would you say, you like, is Tychicus is bringing this that Philemon is a part of a house church that's in Colossae? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we have Colossians, which might have been a letter that's written that, that that would have been written and read maybe to both the house church of Nympha. I think so. And carried at the same time. Carried at the same I think. time. So reading mm-hmm. that, and then it's like, hey, that was for everybody. And now this house church, let's go over here to this house, and I'm going to read you something yeah. that's so. Can you see like maybe Colossians is kind of laying the the groundwork for some of the more specific message that comes in Philemon? Then, okay. I want to talk about this another day, but I'll say yes. Okay, <laughs> that's my short answer. So here's a really interesting thing. We don't have time to do this today, I don't think. But Ephesians, I think, was also sent at the same time. Mm-hmm. The letter that we call Ephesians. Right. But you think it was written for the church as I a think whole. It was a, I think it was a circular letter. Right. It wasn't just meant and, for the church and in Ephesians. Ephesians, and we've talked about this before, Ephesians and Colossians are very similar. Mm-hmm. They're, they're almost exactly the same pattern. Now, there are some things that are emphasized in one instead of the other. And I want you to do this at home. If you if you want extra credit, uh, write in and we'll give you we'll give you 20 extra credit points if you do this. Mm-hmm. But compare the household list in the in the letter to the Ephesians or, or the letter we call the letter to the Ephesians and the household list in Colossians. And when you compare them, you're going to see that there's one group of people that are talked about a lot more in the letter to the Colossians than are in in the letter that we call the letter to the Ephesians. And um, that gives us a hint of exactly what you're saying, that Colossians is really kind of written, you know, with further um, uh, to lay the groundwork, as you say, for for Philemon. What, what Philemon is dealing with. And then there's one other thing, too, is, and it's interesting. We see this in, in the, even the letter of the Romans. Paul says to, that, that Tychicus is not only carrying the letter, but he's also going to give you further instruction. And so, you know, Paul does this, too. He, he also... He sends his letter carriers with the 
with the mandate to basically give further instruction. So if there are questions about the letter, they could have answered them or, uh, you know, sometimes I wish we still had the letter carriers. Yes. <laughs> could you give us more information here about what's going on? Uh, but that's that's what I think Tychicus was sent with Onesimus, you know, and, and Philemon and Colossians. And I think this other letter, uh, and I'll go ahead and give it away. I mean, some people will know that I believe this already, but when, at the end of Colossians, you read that where it says, when, when, well, I don't think we read that part, but when you're done with this letter, share it with the church in Laodicea, and you read the letter that I wrote to them. Uh-huh. Uh, and people say, well, what's the letter to the Laodiceans? And there are other later not Pauline books that were attributed to this, but I think Ephesians is the letter to the Laodiceans. Um, if you look, even in your Bibles, in Ephesians chapter 1, where it says to the, to the, the senders uh, from Paul to the church in Ephesus, that part in Ephesus uh, is not in the earliest manuscripts. That in Ephesus is is something that's and so I, I can tell you again. We'll talk about this another day. What I think happened here, but I think this is the beginning of gathering together these Pauline letters. I think it started happening very early. Mm. Uh, Philemon, Colossians, and this other letter. Ephesians started to be gathering together. Okay. And I think from there, they began to collect some of these other books that were, were written. So anyway, there's a lot other of questions. Here. No, I, to, I told you, I, lo- I told okay. you, I, I, I agree. You <laughs> I warned you. me, you warned me. Okay. Jeez. <laughs> so let's look at the Thanksgiving section. I'll let you go ahead and read this verses four through seven. And I'll say this in Thanksgiving sections, Paul often will set up some of the themes and there's a particular theme here. I think that we see, in the thanksgiving that's going to become important in the body of the letter. All right, here we go. I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers because I hear about your love for all his holy people and your faith in the Lord Jesus. I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. So what how would you what themes do you notice there in that Thanksgiving section? We haven't prepared this or anything, but what, what do you um, notice there? Partnership. Okay. Love seems to be encouragement. Okay. Partnership and sharing mm. are, are two two very similar concepts here. And then the other one is this idea of you've refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. In other words, he's saying to Philemon, I think, you have you've done a lot to help other other Christians. Mm. Again, it points probably to Philemon's wealth you know that he's got he's got a house large enough for people to meet in he has a household at least one household servant probably others um and he's been able to use his um gifts the things that god has given him to refresh the hearts of other people so that's the kind of thanksgiving section partnership is kind of what i would say is the primary theme koinonia or you know that kind of an idea uh, is what we have so let's get into the body of the letter. So and this is the cool thing about doing this one chapter. You've got the, the the greeting section, Thanksgiving, and now we're in the body of the letter. And Paul, even in his longer letters, will often the very first, I would say the very first thing that Paul talks about after the Thanksgiving is, 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 is if not the major reason he's writing the letter, one of the major reasons. And again, this is a short enough letter that we can see kind of what his concern is. And so he immediately gets to this. Let me go ahead and read uh, the first three verses of this body. Therefore, Paul begins, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, yet I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love. 
it is as none other than Paul, an old man, and now as a prisoner of Christ Jesus. And so here's kind of him getting some sympathy. Oh, I'm an old man now. And <laughs> My eyes I'm in aren't prison. good. You know, <laughs> eyes aren't good. Yeah, we'll get to that yeah. in a minute. Um, it, it, it is none other than Paul, an old man and prisoner of Christ Jesus, that I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. So, you know, his whole thing is I could tell you what to do, but I prefer, and this is going to be another thing throughout this. I prefer you to do the right thing on your on your own. Yeah, right? I, I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> subtly tell you what you should do. Well, and I'll be honest, when I've taught this before. Students are sometimes bothered by how they're a little like, passive aggressive, manipulative, right? A little manipulative here, but but I actually think there's something else going on that we'll get to. Um, I appeal to you for my son Onesimus. So here's this slave that we're introduced to, who became my son, and, and we're thinking here probably spiritual son, right? Right. Uh, he became my son, not you know he didn't Paul didn't adopt him, but he became a believer. He became a follower of Jesus mm-hmm. while Paul was in prison. Formerly, and now he plays on his name, formerly he was useless to you, but now he has become useful, just like his name, Onesimus. Mm-hmm. He's become useful both to you and to me. So here he's appealing on behalf of Onesimus. So there's something that's happened here, and that's what we kind of have to piece together. We don't know what it is uh, from a very early time in Christianity. Um there's been an idea that Onesimus was a runaway slave that could have um, taken something with a stolen something. Um, that That's a very early idea about what's going on. Now, we don't know that for sure. There's nothing specific. There, there's a couple of hints I'll, I'll, I'll show you later on in this letter. Um, the other possibility is that we have uh, some kind of mistreatment or something that takes place between Philemon and Onesimus and Onesimus intentionally goes to Paul. A lot of people think this isn't just happenstance that he runs into Paul, but he intentionally goes to Paul because he knows that Paul, I'm going to use the the first century term is, is a, um, uh, uh, a patron of, of his master Mm. that, that, um, uh, Philemon has a client relationship with Paul. In other words, you know what I'm saying? He, yeah. he recognizes Paul's authority in his life. And so Onesimus intentionally goes to Paul looking for relief from whatever's whatever's going on. So there's some people think that there may be some kind of mistreatment or um, some kind of argument or whatever, some kind of, you know, problem that goes on here. So so we ha- again, we have to piece this together. We don't we don't know the whole story. And we've right. talked about this before. When you get a letter, it's like half of a telephone conversation. You <laughs> right. have to piece it together. Yeah. Right. You hear, uh-huh, uh-huh, yep, uh-huh. <laughs> what are they saying? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So verses 12 through 16 gives us a little bit more of the situation. Paul says, I am sending him who is my very heart. In other words, he's come to me. He's become my son of the faith. And now he's useful both to you and to me, and now he calls him my very heart. I'm sending him back to you. I would have liked to keep him with me so that he could take your place in helping me while I was in chains for the gospel. In other words, Philemon, you've been such a partner. I know you would help me if you could, but but you know I would love to have Onesimus here instead of you to help me with the things I need to assist me in what in whatever. Verse 14. But I did not want to do anything without your consent so that any favor you do would not seem forced, but would be voluntary. 
So this is the whole thing again. He wants he wants him to do the right thing. Perhaps the reason he was separated you, from you for a little while is that you might have him back forever. No longer as a slave, but better than a slave as a dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. So, you know, Paul sends him back, and 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 Paul knows it's the right thing to do. And it's not only when I said it, there's some some more things going on here. I don't think it's only about Paul trying to manipulate Philemon into this, but one of the things that this teaches us about is in Christianity, the importance of proper relationships within within the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and use fancy terms for this, but but the, the importance of reconciliation um, in in the body of Christ that brothers, you know, they're in a time where there's a master slave relationship, but Paul is making it a family relationship. You're now brothers. Uh, he's my son. You see, what I'm saying he's using this this reordering uh, of. Um, of the world, basically, to say that now Christ has come and things have changed dramatically. Uh, and I think this is just an, a picture of this. So he wants Onesimus to go back and make sure that he's doing the right thing as well. This is about everybody making sure that they're doing what is required of them, not just Philemon, but also Onesimus. Yeah, and I, just one thing I think we should talk about here, and I know we've talked about this previously before, yeah. but thinking about this, this isn't slavery as in the american lifelong manumission yeah yeah i mean it's not how uh it's not slavery as typically um right uh as we speak about it you know and it's not like modern history lifelong chattel ownership you know where where people were treated as animals and Family relationships were broken up, and you know this—that's not how how slavery was in the Greek world. In fact, there's there's estimates in some places, bigger cities particularly, that that something like, um, well, the majority, but but uh, uh, something like three out of every four people could have been slaves at some level. Mm-hmm. Um, so sometimes it was for short term debt. You would put yourself in in this situation, or uh, not it, it it is it is not exactly employment either some people have tried to almost use the boss um uh, um employee relationship here but it's not quite that it is slavery it's not it's not fun it's not freedom mm-hmm. right um but it's someone selling themselves for um you know family needs or for for whatever purpose uh for a period of time now there are slaves and even in the old testament there are examples where where slaves of this type that we're talking about here were given the opportunity. And and some people think that's what the reference is when Paul says he, he could be now coming back to you forever. There was a way that slaves could say, Hey, I don't want my freedom because you, you remember in Israel, kind of the countercultural thing was every seven years you released your slaves. Right, yeah. the, the, you know, the, it was only a period of time. Um, but then uh, uh, you, a slave could say, Oh no, I, I, I like, my position. I want to stay with my master, uh, and I want to do this for a longer period of time. But you're right. It's it's important to mention this is not this is not yeah, that, that kind Paul's of not of, telling him to go back into a situation where he was treated right. as an animal. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's exactly correct. Okay. Uh, yep. Nope. Yep. 
and and you know this passage and others. In fact, I'll, I'll go ahead and mention this. We were in Cincinnati a couple weekends ago, and I, I had an opportunity to go to the Underground Railroad Museum in Cincinnati, which is a fantastic mm-hmm. museum. It's voted one of the best in the world uh, or in the, in the U.S. this last uh, couple of years ago. Really worth going and 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 you see the the theme of religion there, Christianity particularly there in. Um, you know, both on the side of the slaves and also the side of, of those, both the abolitionists, but also the masters who mm-hmm. were attempting to use Christianity as a, as a uh, manipulative tool. Uh, yeah, as a tool for, for saying, you know, so they would point to texts like this to say, well, see, this is, you know, this is the way it should be. Um, but it, yeah, it's an it's, it's interesting thing and it's an important thing for us to think about. Um, but yeah, we're, we're, we want to position this historically and contextually in the first century into that practice of slavery there. First century uh, uh, Asian minor here in this case. Yep. Okay. So so Paul's overturning this idea, though, of kind of usefulness, you know, Onesimus' usefulness to Philemon and say he's now a dear brother of yours. So here's the conclusion then, verse, or not the conclusion, but the last part of the, the body of the letter. So if you consider me a partner, so there's that, see that language of partnership again. Mm-hmm. You've been my partner in the past. You've helped refresh the Lord's people. If you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. So uh, if there's been anything, you know, this this again is what's hinting that there was some kind of a break, uh, a bad situation is what's being hinted at here. And, and so now I would have you welcome him back. Now I mentioned right earlier starts with this, and it's interesting. I don't have you. You've read the beginning of this, yeah. right? Where, Pliny, Pliny um, has a letter where he talks about a runaway slave, and it's interesting the you know the difference is even in that letter they're trying to get things back to the way that they were, <laughs> right? Right. But but Paul's concern is not that. That's what that's the point Wright makes. Paul is really saying no. There's there's been a change in the world because of Christ, and, and now you don't receive him back as you did before, but now you welcome him as family, the same way you would welcome me. Is what Paul's saying. Yeah. So I can imagine, you know, there's been moments in my life where I kind of get angry and you feel like a hotness inside of you, like your throat gets dry. You know, it's like, right. I'm, I'm not saying that Paul's trying to make him mad, but it's kind of like, it, it might right. be a bitter pill to kind of swallow, like kind of going, we don't know what the problem is, but kind of going, you have to change your thinking about this, <laughs> you know, right. when you when you think about this. And I'm, I'm just... It's good, you know. It is a new way to think, but it's you know, yeah. it, it it is a very like, hey, not just as you know as he was, but like me, you know. And if and if Philemon considers Paul, you know, like yeah. a, a mentor, a yeah, like yeah. oh, it's not just I'm welcoming you back and I'm letting this go. It's I'm welcoming you back with right. open arms and welcoming yeah. and like there's a, there's a lot there. There is, and yeah, I think that's exactly right. And I'm going to tell you, I think. The message here is we still struggle with this today. Oh, yeah. Um, we still, you know, and again, I said before, we're often discipled more by our news channels than we are Christianity, right? So so we often still want to think of, quote, unquote, other people in the in the terms of, of the world around us. Mm-hmm. And, and we don't think about them in terms of what it means in Christ, uh, you know, that, that um you know, we have, you know, you know, we have more in common with our brother or sister in, in another place than we do our neighbor who looks like us and acts like us. Um, you know, we have, we have more in common with that person in another place than we do our neighbor who 
who is not a believer. So, mm-hmm. you know, that that's the change, I think, the the way that the world has been kind of re, redone. So let me, let me finish this. If he has done you any wrong, Paul says, and this is another thing that gives us this indication, and specifically, or owes you anything. So, you know, was there something stolen or did he, was there, you know, had he hit, you know, sometimes slaves could be given a certain amount of responsibility, like, hey, take this money to this other person. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, then they could just run off with it. And he says, if you owe, if he owes you anything, then charge it to me. <laughs> right. But then I love this. This is, this is, if you think he's manipulative, this is the most manipulative part. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will pay it back. So this gives us a couple of indications. Paul didn't write his own letters down. Uh, he, he would work with these people we call amanuenses, which is kind of like a secretary, but they probably had a little bit more, even, even some suggestion about how to write. Um, but uh, it, there are times where Paul picks up his picks up the pen himself and writes. Uh, one of those examples, the end of the book of Galatians in chapter six, and you mentioned his eyes. He mm-hmm. can't see very well. And he mentions then, look at what large letters I use when I write. And in the Galatians, he talks about that it was, it was because of an illness that he came to the Galatians in the first place. And so when he picks up the pen, you know, he seems to have, have to have to write larger, you know, this kind of thing. And, and so here, Paul basically says, hey, let me, let me, says to the amanuensis, give me the pen a minute, and basically kind of signs his name. I, Paul, you know, I owe you whatever, whatever it is that, um, mm-hmm. that Onesimus, you know, what, whatever's charged to them. But then listen to this, not to mention that you owe me your very self, or your, or this could be read, your very soul. Right? I mean, I didn't. <laughs> Uh, you can just, you know, put it against your charge to me. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. put it on my account, but don't forget. Don't forget you, you've you got know, a balance you, on the sheet, my friend. Your, etern- your eternal life is because of me, basically. So uh, I do wish, brother, that I may have some benefit from you in the Lord. Uh, refresh my heart in Christ the same way that you've done with others in the past. And then he he concludes, confident of your obedience, right? In other words, I'm sure you're going to do the right thing. I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I ask. So not only are you going to receive him back and all this kind of stuff, but I do think that you're going to send him back. You know, basically Paul saying, I would love to have him as a a fellow worker, as an assistant. Um, It's interesting here. And one of the things that that I always think about when I'm when I'm thinking about the letter to to Philemon is it's interesting to me that if he is an escaped slave, he has to come to Paul in order to become a follower of Jesus. Even though his master, Philemon, if we understand it this way, Philemon has a church that meets in his home. Hmm. And, and it kind of makes you wonder what, you know, how did, is it that Philemon viewed Onesimus in such a way that, he never thought about sharing the gospel with him. Yeah, there's like a disconnect. There's I mean? a disconnect between the per- the people that are around him, like even his own household slaves, and like exactly. his church life. Exactly. And so when when he he goes to Paul, he becomes a believer under Paul, <laughs> right? And then and then he's sent back again as a brother, not as a slave. And along with Tychicus, and again, all of this would have would have had a. Um, I'm going to say this, this, this would have been a difficult 
You said difficult pill to swallow, but basically Paul is calling Philemon to make a difference in his in his heart. I think mm-hmm. in, in the way that he thinks about not only Onesimus but maybe uh, his, his faith um, at all. I think that I think that's uh, the, a really interesting thing to think. I hadn't thought about that ever before. Mm-hmm. That yeah. that Onesimus is going to Paul not because Paul is like a spiritual leader even to him. It's just he knows that yeah. his master looks up to Paul. We'll listen to what we'll he has listen to, to what say, he has yeah. to say, and so he's yeah. just he's going there as a secular person, you know, just to right. say like, hey, you know, I know he's a Christian and he listens to you about these things. Like, I'd, I'd like to co- to go back, but then in that process, he's changed through all of it as well. Yeah. Ah, yeah. I'd never thought about yeah. that. So then we have the conclusion, which we've we've read most of later. It just ends with verse twenty five: "The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit," which is kind of a, a typical conclusion. So I had a couple of questions at the end of this, and then I had a long quote by Wright I thought I would read that I think kind of sum, summarizes some of this. The first question is, why is this book even in the New Testament? <laughs> right? <laughs> why is it even here? Now, the interesting thing about this, I think, is you know, I, I think there's good – I think it teaches us a ton. Like you said, it shows us connections between some of these other things. But – I'm really going to where we think about the way that these books were collected together. And I've kind of already given away. I think that, that um, uh, you know, this book, along with Colossians and Ephesians, may have formed the kernel of, of what becomes our 27 books, at least the Pauline epistles, right? The 13 we call Pauline epistles, at least the beginnings of that collection together. Um, you know, by the time you get to Second Peter, and I believe Peter actually wrote that, but by the time you get to Second Peter, Peter's able to say, um, you know, as Paul writes in all of his letters, uh, which indicates that 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 Peter knew of a collection of at least three letters of Paul. And mm-hmm. that's just because of the word he uses all there. He doesn't say both or he doesn't say in Paul's letter. So he knows of at least three and possibly more. We don't know how many he would have he would have been familiar with. I think probably the Thessalonian correspondence because of the themes that he's talking about would have made would have made a ton of sense but i think paul's letters begin to be collected together and it makes me wonder and again this is this is just speculation i i can't prove this but there i'm not the only one who suggested this there are some who suggested that this letter who would who would this letter have meant the most to it, it would have meant the most Onesimus, to Onesimus, right and, and so some suggest if Onesimus did become an assistant to paul an amanuensis or what, whatever role we end up, he ends up have, having a messenger, someone who went and carried letters for Paul sometime, that kind of thing. That that we wonder if he's not the one who started collecting these together. That he actually, oh. Onesimus could have actually been the one who began this process um, because you know he would have he would have kept this. You know, this letter would have been very important. Framed him, it and put right? it on the wall. So when Philemon walks in, <laughs> hey bro, you remember this? Remember what Paul said? Well. And I want to be careful. I don't think Onesimus uses it that way. He doesn't way. use it I as a it, manipulative tool. <laughs> no. I'm I making think it, a joke, Brian. I get it. Well, there's some who, who say that Onesimus is almost like, you know, when Paul says these things about him, almost kind of be going in like, hey, what are you going to do? Real smug walking in. I don't think it's that way. I think, it, again, this is about reconciliation. I think this is about Paul did not have to send Onesimus back. But I think this also teaches us about the importance of facing, you know, if there if we have wronged someone, the importance of facing that and going mm. back and asking for forgiveness. So it's it's both sides. It's not just Philemon 
owning his part in their relationship, but it's also Onesimus owning his part. It's the way I, I, I want to make sure we see this, I think. So uh, any other thoughts on that or? I, I don't think so. I, you know, I think that's a, an important, uh, number one, I never thought about Onesimus putting the letters together, but just that, that concept that, that, you know, as we think about this, that kind of forgiveness is a two-way, sh- it, it's a two-way right. street here. It's Onesimus owning some of his fault and some right. of this. Um, and I'm sure he and Paul had many conversations about that, but then it's also, you know, as the the more mature Christian, we would say at this point would be Philemon, right. his role in that reconciliation as well. If I think of it, I'll try to link to an article that talks about Philemon as possible letter collector. Again, that's not original with me. That's not, you know, I'm not the first one ever to think that. So, so I'll try to link that in either in our uh, newsletter or in the, in the show notes or both, something like yeah. that. Well, it's just, I, I just keep thinking about it. It's the more I'm reading in the New Testament and some of the Bible says I'm going through uh, with some groups and stuff. It's just the concept of peacemaker. Like, the, the, you know, right. like peacemaking yep. is such an uh, integral part of following Christ at this time. You know, right. I think it was. And, and that's kind of that's kind of where I was going to go with the theology of it, the importance of this, the, this theologically. And I guess the other thing I would say, that the reason I'm glad it's here is it does give us, these are real live human beings, you know, mm-hmm. that, that are these people who are mentioned sometimes, you know, Aristarchus and Archippus and all these people that are just kind of mentioned by name, you know, Philemon. And, and you know, this gives us sense these are real flesh and blood human beings who are dealing with the same kind of struggles that we are. Uh, you know, some of them wealthier, some of them not, you know, but but Paul is saying that in Christ now we are being made into this into this family, into this community of people who take one another's interest to heart um, and, uh, you know, and, and, and are, are, are sharing together in this. We had a couple of people uh, place their membership in our congregation yesterday. And one of the things that we do in our congregation is they make pledges about their faith. But then as a congregation, we then. Make a pledge. Respond to, to that by saying, "Here's, you know, we're going to bear your burdens when in times of need. We're going to be there for you." And, and again, I hope this isn't just lip service. I hope it's us really making these pledges that if we have a, a brother or sister in need, we will meet those needs. And, and I think that's, you know, that comes from uh, the early church and the and the the way that they did this. Well, it, and I think also about that that this letter was not just written to Philemon, it was written to the house church as well. You know, yeah. like the, there's a community there that that might be hard for Philemon to process some sure. of the stuff and that his other brothers and sisters are help, you know, like they're all on the same path right. together. And, yeah. br- and there may be other people who have who, yeah. who makes them think about, oh, maybe I should think about my household slave differently mm-hmm. or, you know, that kind of thing as well. Yeah. So. Well, good. Hey, you know, one chapter book, lots happening. Good things yeah. for us to think Let about. Let me read this. I had this quote This quote from Wright. Do you think it's useful to yes, read this or of not? course. N.T. Wright's always worth reading. He says, this letter, the shortest of all Paul's writings that we possess, gives us a clear, sharp little window onto a phenomenon that demands a historical explanation, which in turn, as we see, demands a theological explication. It is stretching the point only a little to suggest, and this is the part I thought was really interesting, if we had no other first century evidence for the movement that came to be called Christianity, this letter ought to make us think something is going on here. Something is different. People don't say this sort of thing. That's not the way the world works. A new way of life is being attempted. 
by no means entirely discontinuous with what was already there, but looking at things in a new way, trying out a new path. Mm-hmm. And so he's saying, basically, if the only evidence we had of early Christianity was the letter Philemon, we could see that at least people were going, you know, things have changed. Mm-hmm. Uh, because of Jesus, things things are different. And, and I think that's an, that's an interesting point. Um, you know, again, it, it's, a, it's a one chapter book, but it doesn't mean it's unimportant. Right. Uh, for thinking about early Christianity. Yeah, and just as Paul says, think about that peacemaking. This is a whole new way of, you know, it's a new way of thinking. Like, it's not yep. it's not uh, your own just self-interest. It's the interest yep. of, you know, your brother now. Interest of, exactly. of others. So, all right, yeah. Brian. Well, thanks so much. Yeah, it's another no great Oneater episode. Oneater wonder yeah, episode. There we go. Yeah, absolutely. We're going with another Oneater next another week. Another Oneater next week. Uh, yeah, thanks so much for listening, everyone. We will be back next yeah. Tuesday with an, another Oneater. Uh, if you'd like uh, to join Adam in your support of the and others and others that have previously supported us, if you'd like to uh, join us, you can go to our website, the Bible. Not to owe, not, not to mention that you owe us your very selves. Oh my God. <laughs> I wasn't going there, but Brian said it. Uh, oh my. It, was, it, was, it was a joke. Yes, it is so. a joke. Oh, man. <laughs> um, you can go to thebiblebistro.com. Uh, there's a link at the top. Uh, you can support the Bible Bistro. So thanks so much, Brian. Oh, my gosh. See, I can't believe you said you that. Week. Yeah. See you next what? Tuesday. Bye. Bye. <laughs>